what, what we decided, let me give you a little sort of a backstory uh, to this, and I'll pray for our time here. The backstory is that some of you will remember, it's been a few months, but a few people gathered on Saturday mornings. All of you were invited. Some of you made it to one or more of those gatherings on Saturday mornings where we talked through, um, the Aging Matters was actually a title of a book that we selected to sort of guide our discussion and conversations about things that, that we don't typically talk about, uh, about related to um, this process that we're all in, whether we are 22 or 82 or before or beyond, we're, we're in a process. Um, and some of us have stories that are being written and told because it involves us, whether it's our own aging or aging, the aging of people that we love, that we're caring for. So as we put this together, that little Saturday morning series a few months ago, it was to, it was to recognize the fact that, there, that there's a kind of conversation that we, that we need to have that we don't usually have, that we don't intentionally gather to think and anticipate what's this like. And the first time this ever becomes an issue for most of us is when we have aging parents that we're watching age and we're trying to figure out, have they thought through this well? How can we help them think that through? Um, but you might be the parent. I mean, you may be, I mean, it's all of our story. We're all older than we were this time last year. And, and as I've watched people age and, and go through this season of life, I'm taking notes you know, about things that I've learned or things that I wish I had known or things uh, to talk about, to be intentional about. So we met, um, I think it was three or four Saturday mornings and talked about um, this, this topic. The book was entitled Aging Matters. When it was over, we said, is this all that we do? Is there more to be done? And to a person, I think everybody agreed, this is a conversation that needs to continue. Uh, we've got to figure out a way to do it. And so a couple of your elders uh, were a part of that and agreed to to help think through what might be a next step or a good ongoing step. Uh, this may be something that we continue. We're going to do this for six weeks, and that was the recommendation. To sort of we take uh, the conversation that started on a Saturday morning and then fold it into what we do on a Sunday morning. And so we invited uh, to the two classes, chapel class, Cornelia class, to consider coming together and invite others. So some of you may be from one of those groups or not in one of those groups, and we're glad you're a part of this. So um, we're gonna go for six weeks, and the last slide I'm gonna show you today is a little bit of a outline of how the six weeks will unfold. So I just wanted to step in this with you together. Uh, we're using a brand new uh, projector here that I think was gonna do the job, but this is just these are just a few slides with comments on them to just sort of move us down this road, you know, of thinking about aging. And then I'll tell you how we will do that. But um, I don't know who Van Dyke Parks was. I've heard this before, but this is attributed to Van Dyke Parks. The older I get, the better I was, you know, <laughs> I've heard that uh, people thinking about how great they were as a high school athlete. You know, I was really, I was, I was really, really good back when I was in high school. And the older I get, the better I was. Just that's the way the, the head works. The, um, 
Keanu Reeves, a name you will recognize. How do I confront aging? With a wonder and a terror. Yeah, I'll say that, a wonder and terror. That may not be you, it may be family members, you know, that aren't sure how to deal with that. Apparently, he is not thinking this through from a kind of what does the Bible have to say about it, which changes the landscape, but that doesn't always change our emotions, does it? I mean, we can still use his words, even if we believe everything the Bible says about life now and the world to come, there still can be a wonder and a terror. C.S. Lewis, as always, gets some of it perfectly well stated. This is in the last battle. Can you see it? Oh, sorry. I should have looked around. Thanks. She wasted all her school time wanting to be the age she is now, and she will waste the rest of her life trying to stay that age. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) She wasted all her school time wanting to be the age she is now and will waste the rest of her life trying to stay that age. Marilyn Robinson, who, if you're not familiar with, I hope you will become, in the book Gilead, uh, the story of a, of a man and, and his journey, I feel as if I'm being left out, as though I'm some straggler and people can't quite remember to stay back from me. That's raw, but that's real. Frank Lloyd Wright, the longer I live, the more beautiful life becomes. I hope I can say that. John Glenn, if there's one thing I've learned in my years on this planet, is that the happiest and most fulfilled people are those who devote their lives to something bigger than their own self-interest. But nobody said it better than Elizabeth Elliot, who's quoting George MacDonald, a writer you may know. George MacDonald said, if you knew what God knows about death, you would clap your listless hands. But instead, I find old people in North America just buying this whole youth obsession. I think growing older is a wonderful privilege. I want to learn to glorify God in every stage of my life. That's really our aim for as we think about this. What does it look like to glorify God in every stage of of our lives? What does it mean to help other people get there as well? if you're young, thinking about parents, perhaps. But I was really, uh, I had not read this until in preparation this week, a poem by Yeats. My 50th year had come and gone. Sorry. No worries. George has got it. My 50th year had come and gone. I sat a solitary man in a crowded London shop, an open book, an empty cup on the marble table top. While on the shop and street I gazed, my body of a sudden blazed, and 20 minutes more or less, it seemed so great my happiness that I was blessed and could bless. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Whether it's 50 or 40 or 60 or 80 or Lord willing, 90. Instead of a lonely man in a crowded London shop, an open book, an empty cup. While on the shop and street I gazed, my body of a sudden blaze. In 20 minutes, more or less, it seemed so great my happiness that I was blessed 
You can bless. What does it look like to uh, finish well? Uh, that's actually the title of a book that we're going to be using these first two weeks. It's entitled Finishing Our Course with Joy by J.I. Pecker. Um, there's no required reading for this little series, but if we did, it would be this. And I've got several copies uh, that are available. You, if you're interested, you can take one today and pay later. They're $9, rounded off to the nearest dollar. And uh, after today, they'll be on the bookshelf out here. So you can leave with one a day, honor system, bring $9 back and put it in the jar. Um, but I've got about a dozen copies, I think. And to, this week and next, we're going to talk about some of the ideas in that book. And when I say talk, I'm going to present, I'm going to orient, I'm going to facilitate. But, but each of these six weeks... Um, let me go ahead and show you what the six weeks will be. Um, it's going to be some discussion. Uh, so two weeks on this book. Then we're going to talk about some of the legal matters are surrounding all of this stuff, financial matters. So we, we are trying to land the plane and be some practical things that, that may help you. I've got some some of our own experts, you know, of sorts coming in to help us think about these things. Vocation matters, and the title for, um, the subtitle for that is Reframing Retirement, Re thinking about it in new ways, urging one another to think about it, um, more on that. Funeral matters, or those decisions related to that, we're going to talk about that. We don't typically do so, and and, uh, and we're going to make that an item for one day. And then this ends with a forum that, um, that Nate will lead on end-of-life decisions. The decisions uh, that sneak up on us if we haven't thought about them in advance. How do we, how do we deal with those things? And, and Nate will do that one. So we've got a group of people. I'm doing the first two. And then some other people will come in and, and do these others. But we'll end with uh, end-of-life kind of thing. So that's the plan. That goes right up until Thanksgiving. Then we, uh, I think pretty soon around then is when the Christmas break begins. But um, we're going to just kind of walk down this road together. Uh, we've got topics um, and you've got questions and you've got input. And this works best if your input reaches us, your thoughts, your questions, your experiences. So I call them experts, but we really don't have any experts on this stuff. But you're, we're going to have facilitators, and we will learn together is the idea of, um, of conversation that, that really think about where should that conversation take place. It should be in the church, right, that we learn from one another. My theory is that a lot of us are, are walking through these things in isolation, in silos. We may have someone that we turn to, but it's rarely a, a, a corporate kind of conversation. And I think there's stuff to learn from, from your, your life, your experiences, your questions uh, as we do this. So George had some handouts. I gave, I gave them to him. And um, I, if you would take, does everybody have one? Okay, there's a hand. A couple of people have come in. Um, and this is essentially a Reader's Digest version, not Reader's Digest, yeah, I guess so. Reader's Digest <laughs> of uh, Cliff Notes, maybe was another what I was trying to say, of, uh, of, the, of chapters one and two. And in in, in this 
For some of you, we'll take the place of reading the book, what we will do this week and next. For some of you, it may just spur you deeper into the book because we're not going to cover it all. It is not a very imposing book. It's about as thin as you can find and not be a booklet. And for some reason, it has large print. I don't know. Well, I don't know why, but it's got large print even. Um, so again, take one if you're interested, if you want to just um, build off of what we talk about today. But I'm simply trying to orient you to the book and the topic uh, these first two weeks. Um, some of you have, uh, have found uh, these verses in Ecclesiastes and chuckled a bit. Remember also your creator, and you know what Ecclesiastes is about, and here's the conclusion. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Those evil days. (laughs) I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars were darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders, that is teeth, uh, cease because they are few. Um, eyesight fails, the teeth fail, uh, those who look through, uh, through windows are dimmed and the doors of the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of a song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper digs itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Um, It's a downward spiral, you know, that he's describing here. And um, the reality is some of us have watched that. Um, But it was like yesterday, um, when I took my dad into um, a memory care unit of, of an Alzheimer's unit, he never knew that he never left. Yes. He never knew. And, uh, you know, the man who had brought joy and laughter uh, held his head in his hands you know, for days day after day. We watch that and then we kind of, we know that that's a reality and yet that's not the whole story. Um, There is decline that marks us, but um, the picture there in Ecclesiastes is of a loss, weakness, and apathy leading to death. But there's something, there's something else that can not reverse Alzheimer's, but can mark your story and mine. And Uh, Take a look at the words right from Psalm uh, 71 and 92 that can be the the track that we run on as we finish our course with joy or we're helping others finish that course with joy. I love these words, Psalm 71. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, for my youth. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me. 
and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim to another generation your power to all those to come. There's another generation that I am to have in view, that, 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 that we are to have in view uh, as we finish our course with joy. And uh, then I love these words from Psalm 92. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Just a great word picture that is our picture, you know, of, of a life that's flourishing, sap and green. That's what I'm hoping that would be true, even if that Alzheimer's is hereditary and I'm holding my hand, my head in my hands, that there's something that marks our life together of flourishing and um, maybe when the words don't work anymore, maybe it's simply the, the gaze and the smile, you know, in the eyes. I don't know what that's like. But there is a way to finish this well of flourishing. Uh, Packer uses the expression when he talks about the last lap. Now, I, uh, we don't know how many laps there are, right? Um, I started talking about the fourth quarter a few years ago, and I don't, I don't know. I, we just we don't know. What, we, we're not promised tomorrow, are we? But we know that whether it's another year or another 20 years, um, that there is a way that we're to approach what will have turned out to be the last lap. And it is flat out. That's, that's the words that he's, and that's the challenge I, I think he's ushering, offering, or exhorting us to, is to think about the fact that, that we, we could, one of the temptations, and this is listed, on, we'll get to that in a second, but one of the temptations is to sort of resign ourselves to the fact that we can't do, or our parents can't do what they once did. We can sort of flag out. Or in Packer's uh, words, we can, it may not be as fast, but we can move flat out. And whatever flat out is, <laughs> whatever flat out looks like, whatever speed that is, and I, we've lost some speed, but what, is, what does flat out look like? Um, what, what, this, I'm going to just interrupt us here because this, I want this to be dialogical, you know, just your thoughts. What is it that gets in the way of us running flat out? And again, it's not in comparison to others, uh, but what are the things that inhibit finishing the course flat out? Yeah. Ah, okay, I got to pace myself. Yeah, okay. We may give it, yeah. yeah so you, that's, that's legit, yeah. That's a legit, that's a common thought that we may give out, yeah. I think sometimes being in denial ah. Yeah. Yeah.
um, any of you could answer this, but what, what are you doing differently? Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, I just, but while we're on him, what are you doing differently as a... Uh -huh. Yeah. What does he say in here? Uh, well, live each day at your last. I mean, that's always been around. But um, to realize that I could not be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jan had a comment. Yeah, yeah, that's coming. Andy, coming. Another thing that I think holds back is that at any age, is fear of responsibility. Fear of responsibility. We admit that there's more than we have a lot of means that we're in some ways responsible for that. In caring for others? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so kind of a head of a family has a responsibility to that immediate family for sure, you know, getting, yeah, yeah. Terry? Now, speaking of the flat out, as we are in the working world, and I'm speaking of whoever's been working, we tend to be flat out in whatever our vocation is. And as we reach that retirement age, our focus has to change in setting objectives Yeah, you've heard of the wife that was, or it could be the reverse, but the spouse who was fearful of the day her, his or her spouse is going to retire because I don't want you around the house all day. And <laughs> What are you going to do uh, with, without a purpose? And uh, we are going to talk about that um, before we finish next week, and that is what is that purpose that we give ourselves to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got. Yes. 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 Yeah. I had a guy, uh, a neighbor once. I was up on a ladder on a tree in, in my backyard, and he said, "You need some help." I said, "No, I got this." 
Can you imagine what the rest of the story was? Uh, <laughs> um, there's, there are limitations, and I've, I've pledged to Mary Lynn I will not be on uh, certain parts of our roof uh, any longer uh, because of what, what could happen. But um, there's still something I can reach pretty easily. So, uh, Yeah. Oh, that's good. Did you hear that? You can't run flat out if you're looking backwards. That's really good. One of the temptations, if you'll go ahead and flip over, I just want to make sure we don't run out of time. But uh, he talks about tension and temptation on the back of page two there. There are new limitations uh, that we need to recognize. Some of them are physical, energy, strength, mobility. Those things wane. Uh, (laughs) Amen. Cognitive, eventually that will be an issue. Memory or processing, things are just slower, uh, engaging and um, things like that. And the temptation, you've already mentioned both of these. The temptation to give in or to deny. To give in or give up, as you, you, that's another way of saying it. As the body slows, my zeal fades and I just sort of, okay, I'm just going to coast. That's a temptation. And that's not... That's, that's not the way to, to do Psalm 71 and 92. It's not the way to finish the course with joy, to simply give up or to give in. And if you are watching parents do that or grandparents do that, just know the reality of that. And, and then you come alongside them and say, what does it look like to, to, um, to borrow Elizabeth Elliot's words, that every stage of my life is to glorify him. What does it look like to glorify God at this stage and flat out uh, doesn't allow me to deny the reality, but to embrace it and to, and to, and to do what I can do. Some of you know uh, um, a friend of our church, Charles McGowan, part of our denomination in the National Presbytery, and Charles is the one who taught me this language. We don't retire, we redeploy. I've told you some of that. We redeploy, he goes on to say, in ways that fit our physical and cognitive abilities. And so it may not be employment work. There may be a time when you do or you, you watch uh, parents retire from a job like some of you have, but you haven't stopped with purpose. And that's what we were getting at. What is the purpose then that energizes and moves me forward through this stage of my life. And um, if I don't have a job that requires 50 or more hours a week of my time, what do I then give myself to in its place? In Charles's words, well, you have to recognize what you're able to do or what your parents are able to do. And then cognitively, what are you capable, you know, of doing at that, at that point? And so we want to run that race well, um, recognizing that there are limitations and temptations. Um, one of the things that um, is at the heart of this chapter that I want to make sure we talk about a little bit um, is recognizing that what we hear from the world around us are things like uh, relax, slow down, take it easy, amuse yourself, do what you enjoy, uh, you're off the treadmill, uh, fill your life with novelties and hobbies, anything and everything that will hold your interest. 
Um, any of those by themselves are not, are not wrong. Uh, there is a way to enjoy and to, to recognize that there, there's, life is lived at a different pace. But where does that take you? For some people, it takes you what John Piper uh, fears that it takes us to playing shuffleboard at the beach and collecting sand shells, seashells. Now, we're going to a beach in November. Nate's at a beach this weekend. There's nothing wrong with beaches. But if that's what my life becomes, I've missed something. And it's easy for, for someone to pat me on the back at age, retirement age, and say, job well done, perhaps. Enjoy this season of life. And we can enjoy. So don't hear Packer or me saying that, that we're not to enjoy a different stage of life. We're to flourish in that stage of life. But, but what does that look like? What does it call for? And where am I thinking about the next generation? You know, that's, that's the psalmist's words, right? To think about that next generation. And where am I investing myself uh, in the lives of others? Uh, the consequence could be idleness, self-indulgence, irresponsibility, insignificance, and ultimately uselessness. And so a biblical way of thinking about this is to take those words and delete them. It's not idleness. It's not self-indulgence that is to mark my life or irresponsibility or spending all that hard-earned money on myself or if, it, if there's any left. But, you know, but, but what, is, what is significantly in front of me? What are, the, what are the things I care about? What can I give myself to? What, how do I... How do I leave an imprint or a legacy or um, to love well those people around me? Um, one of the things that, uh, and he does a decent job with this in the book, that, that we are to think of ourselves not as embodied souls, uh, but, but to think of ourselves as ensouled bodies. Now, what does he mean by that? He's recognizing that uh, he's trying to undermine the fact that, um, that we have a way of separating those two things out. That's platonic. That's a platonic way of thinking about the body and the soul. But we are ensouled bodies, and the soul is, is really um, the precious thing that, that, that is still there at age 92, you know, I may not be able to run as fast, but the soul is, even if I'm holding my head in my hands because of Alzheimer's, there's still a soul that is valuable and beautiful and lovely. And to the degree that it can express itself, that, that you can express yourself, then there are ways. So don't think about the fact that I can't run as fast or as I shouldn't be up on the roof or things like that, that that there are things that mark our lives that are, um, that are true and lovely and beautiful. We're given our bodies uh, for two reasons, to, to fit us for managing the mature world of which we are made God's trustees and stewards, and to enrich our lives here and now. So we do want to keep them healthy uh, to the degree that we can. Um, so we think about that, but we recognize the fact that... Um, Things change. So um, part of our 
time today is taking a broad sort of flyover of the first two chapters of this book, and this is think through what are the implications for these things, um, and what do I need to pay attention to, what I need to hold on to, what questions does it raise, and we've got just a few minutes just for some of that, so just your thoughts on these matters. Yeah. And though he's 15, so he's not aging, obviously his life's expectancies. But what was so profound to me, you know, this flat out idea I don't relate to so well when you're old or sick or you've lost your energy. But if you've trained yourself to always be kind, when you're in that place where you've got nothing left, what comes out is what you've trained yourself. Yeah. Yes. And I don't have as much control over it. And I watched my mother die. And I said, that's how it's done. She was just kind all the time. I did not like that. So I was just super challenged by watching the movie. Yeah. For those who know Logan, you know how true that is. Some of you, some of you know Logan, and that's really, really true. Flat out, by the way, is not f- all physical, okay? So when you think about r- living this flat out, that sounds physical because it's race imagery, but, but it can be flat out relationally, flat out c- in character, that we don't just sort of succumb and pull the blanket over our head, so to speak, in, in all matters of life. But, but, but um, the candle is lit, you know, and it's shining light, and it's, and it's flat out in that sense. So Logan's a good picture of that. There he is, yeah. Other comments, thoughts? To make sure you're not don't make the mistakes you've made in the past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. If you've if you've stumbled somewhere along the way, you you want to make sure that that doesn't mark your life. But but you do. In looking back, you then have to turn around and look ahead about what is it what does it look like without that in my life? What does it mean to love Christ or pursue Him and His purposes and not and not those false gods or false idols that I've used to prop myself up over the years. That's good, yeah. You wanna learn, we wanna learn from one another and from our own stumblings along the way. How do I die gracefully, yeah. Well, we have a story that we may hear from 
Uh, and we've all, you've all probably seen some of those people that have died gracefully. You've also maybe seen other kinds of stories. And how do I die gracefully? That's a good, good, good question that I hope we can attend to. Yeah. For those of you that might not have heard that, just back row, um, Billy Graham's posture as he entered his later years was, I can't wait for what's ahead, for what awaits me. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, that he says in this little section on the last lap is live for God one day at a time. You know, that sounds trite maybe, but boy, there is something to that, Right to live fully present one day at a time. And it's an old hymn from the 17th centuries, live each day as if thy last. Uh, I want to be fully present. It's it's right to prepare for tomorrow and to anticipate and it's okay to have long range plans unless they take the place of living for God today, (laughs) to be in the the present and not just in the future or or in the past. Either one of those is bad. Live in the present moment versus indulgence of nostalgia. You know, I, I'm very nostalgic. I, I, um, I can show you my grandfather's banjo. <laughs> that, um, and I can tell you stories about it. And I'm not giving that away. You know, but um, I'm nostalgic. But, but and there's a place for photos and memories, but not to live in the past. You know, it's, it's one thing to look back and learn from mistakes, but, but what, we, what we want to be careful about is live so much in the past when life was different or better, where everybody was, you know, at the Thanksgiving table with, and, and failing to live in the present, in the present moment, um, being grateful for those things, for telling the stories keeping the stories alive. And, you know, one of the great delights in, my, in the last couple of years of my dad's life is hearing stories from him that I'd never heard. That's what he could remember, by the way. He could remember those things and couldn't remember yesterday, and I heard more stories. So if you're helping somebody age, ask those questions, you know, about those years. Or if you're aging, tell those stories that, that, that are... Uh, family, um, family focused. I've got a lot of pictures. I have no idea who that person is because I didn't ask, you know? So, um, and then finally live ready to go when Christ comes for you. And that's where Packer says, first and foremost, this involved direct sober dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's talking about the ultimate dealing of faith and trust and eternal security. But, but I take it also to mean when I wake up tomorrow morning, assuming that I do, uh, is my life marked by direct, sober dealing with the Lord Jesus? Am I living today and tomorrow, that day, in his presence? And what is, what is that, how does that bear on this day? And it does give, as Jim said, perspective. Uh, it gives perspective on all things. And I know that even if it doesn't seem that God has answered a prayer 
I know that he answers prayer and that and he, he is present and at work even if my prayer request has gone unanswered, at least for all apparent purposes. So uh, living in his presence is a part of what this is. That is the way forward. That's part of, I think, how we, any of us would die graciously. It would be with, great, with gratefulness and gratitude for all of the blessings that we have enjoyed, uh, for the way, being able to name ways that he sustained us even when things are hard and painful and difficult. And we know that the Christian life does include suffering, including suffering that you have experienced and maybe are. But, but that, can t- that can lead you down a road of bitterness or it can lead you into the arms of the one who loves you. And um, when you put it that way, it's an easy choice. Um, it's not easy to avoid bitterness, but, it's, but, but now we know what the choices are, and that's a good way to go. So it sounds like we're done. Uh, if you want a book, there are, I said, about a dozen here. Today was simply an intro to chapters one and two. There are four chapters total. We're going to spend two weeks on this book, and then we'll move into those other topics, legal matters, financial matters, what to expect around the funeral piece of this puzzle and whether it's a funeral or not, you know, how do we, how do we think about that, anticipate that, plan for that, um, and then ultimately end-of-life decisions. So buckle up, you know, and join us for this. Um, come with questions around those topics, and, um, and thank you for your comments today. This is meant to be a conversation of sorts it's hard to do when you're looking the back of people's heads, but, um, but, but we're going we're gonna to press on. So let me pray. Father, would you help us? Uh, these are matters that um, are at times uncomfortable to talk about. And um, we'd rather um, not face some of the things that are ultimately significant. So help us. Give us courage and faith. Give us clarity and... Um, and a common conversation that we can have together about belonging to you and trusting you. Thank you for the psalmist. And uh, with him, we would pray that each of us and those that we love, that we could help them to bear fruit in old age as those who are full of sap and green, even with hair that is gray. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, thanks.